the peace of the kingdom. Not to be confused with announcing a peace of the kingdom, announcing the peace of the kingdom. We've been uh, in a conversation with uh, Peter and Cornelius. And I, I just like to just kind of keep us in the story until we're done with the story and we'll go on to the next story. But Peter is one of the first followers of Jesus. He is a Jewish fisherman. Uh, he is primarily telling the story of Jesus to other Jews. And so Jews are changing their mind about Jesus and they're following Jesus. They remain Jews, but they're following Jesus. So Peter is doing that. And as he's doing that, God brings a vision to him. And God's timing is kind of comical. Peter is on a rooftop and he gets hungry and then he has this vision and it's about food. So God knows when we're hungry is I guess the point. But in that, that what, what, what he sees is he sees it's, it's this like this big sheet or this sail that comes out of the heaven. It's full of these animals that according to the Old Testament law are non-kosher. They're unclean. Don't, don't eat those. And God says to Peter, hey, eat those. Kill and eat. Rise, kill and eat. You know, you're hungry. Here you go. Here's your opportunity. Uh, this is the full meal deal, right, right from heaven. And Peter says, no. I, no, I, I know. I, I'm, I'm really serious about the purity laws. I, I don't eat that stuff. And God says, well, I'm saying it's okay. Uh, I'm changing the rules. I said, stop before now. I'm saying go. It's for your best to do it. And, and God has to say it a third time. Cause, so Peter would have the second. Well, I know. I'm not, I don't want to know. But God convinces him that, yes, you can eat this. And as he's trying to think through that, there's another person that God's communicating to. And that person is a Gentile. He's a Roman soldier. He's a Roman centurion. And God sends an angel to say, hey, uh, your reverence for God, your prayers, uh, the charitable giving for the poor, that, that, that really counts in God's eyes. And so I want you to send for Peter, and Peter's going to come. So it's this story of a Jew and a Gentile getting together which did not happen in the world that they lived in Jews in the first century were pretty isolated and they under what they understood was that what God was trying to do in the world was just their nation and it, it didn't include the other nations so what God is trying to do is and you know really my, I mean I, I want Israel to share the message with everybody so that's what this story is about so we're in Acts 10, verse 30 to 38. Peter shows up in a Gentile city called Caesarea after three guys from Cornelius, the Roman centurion, sent for him. And Peter says to them, you know, I'm sure, I, I, know, I know you know that it's really highly irregular for a Jew to meet with Gentiles. That's, we just don't do that. Jews just don't do this. Visit and relax with people of another race. But God has just shown me, he's just shown me through this vision, which was, a, was yesterday, that no race is better than any other. So the minute I was sent for, I came. No questions asked, but now uh, I'd like to know, why did you send for me? 
So Cornelius, the Roman soldier, the Gentile, says, four days ago, about this time, mid-afternoon, I was home praying, and suddenly there was a man right in front of me flooding the room with light. Actually, an angel. So a visitation of an angel comes. And that angel said, Cornelius, your daily prayers and neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. I want you to send to Joppa, get Simon, the one called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner down by the sea. So I did it. I sent for you. And you've been good enough to come. And now we're all here. Cornelius got his family and his friends together in his home. We're all here now in God's presence, ready to listen to whatever the master put in your heart to tell us. Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel, that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it everywhere among everyone, specifically for the Jew and now for the Gentiles. So there's a real marvel in this account, this story, in this history that we're reading of how God sets up divine appointments. And, and I just, I, what I want to kind of underscore is you've got this man, Peter. He's a Jew. He, is, he has been isolated, insulated from the Gentile world by his religion by his ethnicity, and God is saying, I want you to move out of that bubble, and I want you to begin to associate with Gentiles. And so he, God speaks to him, sets him up for a vision, and I'm just amazed that he can say something like this. The moment, the minute I was sent for, I came, no questions asked. I mean, this, there's, I'm not sure that any of us can really appreciate the, the wide gulf that existed between the Jewish community and the Gentile community, between the Jew and the Roman. And so for him to say, you know, God spoke to me, I'm getting it, and so I'm here. I, didn't, I, I came without question. That's, that's just amazing to me. And it really reflects something about his heart. But now, but now that I'm here, I've made the, I'd, I'd really like to know, I'm curious... Why'd you send for me? And then at the other hand, you've got this Roman centurion who was in the land of Israel, but he, he, could, he would have felt cut off from that Jewish community. But he sends for a Jew. I, you know, I'd like you to come to my house. You've been good enough to come. And now we're all here in God's presence, ready to listen. We don't, know what God, God, we don't know what God's going to say through you. We're, we're ready to listen to whatever, whatever God is going to say through you, we're ready to listen. So those two postures, I came without asking a question. I'm just, I'm just here and I'm ready to listen. I think you and I can really learn something from that. It's really fun and it's risky to be in communication with God because he may ask us, to go across boundary lines that we may not be comfortable going across. And we, not, we may not understand totally why he's doing it. 
But this is a biggie. So God's truth in this exchange, God gets this Jewish fisherman in the home of a Roman centurion with his Gentile friends and family, and in that moment, God's truth is being revealed. And may I, may I just take out a big marker? And may I just like, I'm just like, I'm highlighting. Can you see me highlighting? This is God's truth. This is not Scott's truth. This is not the truth that Eugene Peterson is giving us from the message version. This is God's truth. God is revealing truth to all of humanity through this event. Now the reason I'm saying that is because I'm about to say two things that most of us have not heard. And it's not like it's not there. It, it's not like it's really... I didn't have a visitation from an angel this week that gave me new truth. You know, I didn't get some special glasses that I put on, you know, and look at the Bible. Ooh, there's, the, there's the mysteries of the Bible. I, I mean, that, that's not happening in my life. I'm just pulling out standard linguistical tools that people for years have used. And why in the world I get to stand in front of you and say what I'm about to say when I don't have any recollection of others saying this? I don't know. I don't know. It's not fair. It's not right. But I'm going to do my best. But what I want you to know, this is God's truth. It says that this is what God wants us to know. God does not play favorites. God is not partial to any nation. And that's coming out of the mouth of a Jew. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. The message of the kingdom of Jesus Christ is for the Jew and the Gentile. There is something better for both Israel and the nations. God does not have a favorite nation. Israel is not God's favorite nation. Israel has a very unique history. And we all ought to be grateful. And there's going to be a little bit more about that in a moment. But Israel is not God's favorite nation. That's not what he's saying here. The United States of America is not God's favorite nation. I'm glad to live here. Fabio, I'm sorry. Chile is not God's favorite nation. God does not play favorites. And ethnos is the word here. There is not a favorite people group on the planet. God has leveled the playing field for everybody on the planet. Every nation has equal access to what God is doing on the planet through Jesus. That is the truth that Peter came to through the vision that God gave him and through being in the home of a Gentile. I don't know what that was. And here's the second thing. God accepts anyone who reveres him and does what is right regardless of their ethnicity. 
See, there's a real subtlety in this passage that Luke is trying to communicate. He says, you know, here you have this Jew, Peter, and he's, he is, he's a ritualistic Jew. He does practice dietary law. He's interested about being clean. And the way you stay clean is you follow the Old Testament covenant. And you're sure to go to the temple to do the sacrifices that you're supposed to do. That keeps you clean. You don't associate with Gentiles because you don't know what they're going to serve you. And so he, Peter practiced that. And as he practiced that, I mean, that, that in, in the Jewish mind, that would have been pleasing to God. You're, you're doing the ritual when I'm asking you to do your pleasing to me. But what Luke chooses to communicate to us is that this Roman centurion, a Gentile, is a godly man. He fears God, he prays regularly, and he does deeds of kindness, which the focus there is he, he's charitable towards the poor. And Luke uses the words, and the words are these. This Gentile, by praying... And by caring for the poor, is like he's offering a sacrifice. And the smoke of that sacrifice off the altar has come before God. I mean, this is, this is kind of exploding both of these worlds. Because the message is, hey, Peter, you're acceptable to God. Hey, Cornelius... <laughs> You too are acceptable to God. So if you fear God and you want to do what God wants you to do, you're acceptable to God. You don't have to have the right religion. You don't have to be the right ethnicity. You don't have to be in the right place at the right time. Something new and better is exploding through the relationship of Peter with Cornelius. God plays no favorites. And anybody on the planet that fears God and strives to do what God wants opens the door to receive the good news of Jesus. Now that's the second part of this. There's God's truth being revealed and there's God's message being revealed. Have you ever thought that maybe the message we believe is our message but it's not God's message? Because that's part of what I'm about to share with you. Again, why? Why do I get to be the one that just points to some things that are right here? And why in the world, we haven't been talking about this for a long time. I have no idea. God's message. God sent a message. And he sent it first to the sons of Israel. Jesus was a Jew. God's message is the person of Jesus. So that message is coming to Israel. But then through Israel, that message is going to go to every nation. We're right, we're right at the beginning of that with Peter and Cornelius. That message is the announcement of the good news of messianic peace. 
the announcement of the good news of messianic peace. And wrapped up in that message is Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the king. And he's the king of all. Not just the king of Israel. He's the high king of heaven. Of everyone. Isaiah is one of the prophets of the Old Testament that spoke about this messianic peace, this messianic salvation. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger bringing good news, breaking the news that all is well, proclaiming good times, announcing salvation, telling Zion, your God reigns. All is well, good times, Salvation is here, our God reigns. When you come to this good news of peace, which Peter is talking about, this is what you find in the concordance. Concordance is kind of like a dictionary. According to the prophets, peace will be the essential characteristic of the messianic kingdom. Christian thought also frequently regards peace as nearly synonymous with messianic salvation. So when we say, I'm saved, what we're saying is, the peace has come. More to come. That peace is not personal. It's not this sense of personal peace, which we value very much in our culture. Listen Again, I'm just reading out of a standard book. When we consider the rich possibilities of shalom, peace, we are struck by the negative fact that there is no specific text in which shalom denotes the specifically spiritual attitude of inward peace. In its most common use, shalom, peace, is emphatically a social concept. Peace has to do with us. Peace has to do with how we get along with one another, how we get along with everybody on the planet, and how everybody on the planet gets along with God. That's what peace is about. It's not limited to Israel. And that would have really spoken to Peter. Because Peter, he's at a time where you have hundreds of years of rabbinic interpretation. And as the Roman Empire is taking over the Middle East... Then the rabbis are trying, how do, we keep, how, do we, how do we keep the boundary lines around us? And so they begin to constrict the global promises in the Old Testament to constrict those to Israel. But the idea of peace in the Messianic age is not limited to Israel. God wants to do something different on the planet. Now he's going to do it through Israel, but he's, it's not just for Israel. And it's not just about the future. Peace in the sense of the salvation which comes from God is especially eschatological salvation, which means something of the future has begun in the present. Something that we anticipate, we look for, we long for, something that we think is distant is, is begun. It's begun. Peace is present and it's fashioned in heaven. So something 
from the heavenlies is now available now on the earth. It's the state of new creation. As I was reading about that concept and I was thinking about, man, all of my life following Jesus, I don't remember anybody saying something like this. It was all, all the emphasis of, you know, me being saved, my sins being forgiven, I'm at peace with God, I'm at peace with myself. I'm, and really, those are all valuable things, but it's not, that's not what this word in its context means. So I came back to something that I think about really pretty regularly, and that is there was this announcement at the birth of Jesus. And it was fun to be at Shepherd's Field. So to be in Bethlehem, to be at the spot or close to the spot where it really happened, to look up into the sky and say, wow, there was an evening that there was an angelic announcement right here over Bethlehem. And that announcement is glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth. To those with whom God is pleased. Now, if you connect to those with whom God is pleased, to God so loved the world, then it seems to me that God is pleased to reveal something to humanity. And what he's revealing to humanity is the Prince of Peace has just been born on the planet. And so peace has begun. So the angels, they're, they're, not, they're not saying, oh, that I wish that peace someday would come. They're not saying that. They are announcing peace is here because the prince of peace is born. They're not just saying peace here in Israel. They're saying peace on the earth, the whole globe. Something's, something's changing here. They're not talking about just personal peace of the individual. They're talking about social peace. They're talking about peace among us, all of us on the planet. And they're not talking about peace on earth, someday it's coming. They're talking about now. They're talking about the reality of peace now. And they're, they're not talking about peace, oh, someday. Well, I know, I know someday we're going to go someplace and that someplace there's going to be peace. Some, they're not talking about that. They're talking about that peace of someplace else coming here now, beginning now on, on this planet. So the, the peace is talking about the reality of well-being that's now available to all of God's creation. God's message is he's begun to rearrange the landscape of human history. And he's introduced to us as people. He's introduced this concept of everything really can be all right. All is well, not just with my soul, but all is well with everything. Now, I know that, that that's, not, that's not the reality of the planet right now. I mean, I know what's going on in Syria. I read the news. But I know this as well. We're not stuck 
in protracted, endless conflicts. God has done something. He's had enough, basically. I've had enough. Have you ever thought, how in the world did we as humans ever come up with the idea of chemical weapons? Talk about diabolical. Talk about being sick people. That came from us. How did we ever come up with that? I mean, that would be like as satanic as it comes, wouldn't it be? And so God, that kind of, God said, you know, I'm, I'm done with that. You guys are wiping each other out. I don't want to wipe, I want to, I want to bring rescue. I want to bring salvation. I want to bring life. Enough of death. I, enough of the curse. I want to rescind the curse. I want to bless my creation. And that's what he started to do. It's not, we're, we're not waiting for him to start that. He started it. And he started it with you and me, with Peter and Cornelius. Anybody that says yes to Jesus has just said yes to a messianic kingdom. And so you and I can go into life and we can see life from a, with a different lens. And we can kind of look into these troubled spots and say, you know, that's coming to an end. It will not stay that way forever. And we have access to the means of actually creating something better in the present. That's what we need to give ourselves to. How do we, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, under the authority of his rule and his reign, how do we create something better now? That won't be perfect. But how do we create something better now? And how do we share that with every nation around us? Because that's what God's message is. That's what God's truth is. I don't know if I've helped explain this or not. But I've done the best that I can. And so for our community, this is what I hope for for us. I hope that we can be a community of people that are ready to go wherever Jesus wants us to go, no questions asked. I'll find out <laughs> what he wants when I get there. Doesn't that sound like fun to you? I mean... Oh, it, oh, maybe it's not so comfortable, but wouldn't it be great, though, to be that kind of people? Wouldn't it be great to be a community of people that could genuinely say, whatever you want to say to us, we're ready to listen? Whatever. We're ready. Our, I mean, our ears are open. Our heart is open. Whatever you want to say to us, say it. Wouldn't that be great? Doesn't mean we'd like everything. But are we that available to go into here? And then I just, I have to ask us, because it's just the obvious. 
How, how are we going to stop playing favorites? Because we play that game. And it's so sad because then we, we bring God into it. You know, we, like, we think God's playing that game too. And I, what, 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 what did it just say? God does not play favorites. God won't play that game with us. So how are we going to stop playing that game? We need to figure that out, don't we? Would that not be a better testimony to the message that Jesus has introduced to the planet when we stop playing that game? Because as long as we play that game, we're undermining the real message. It's not his message. And that's the last question. You know, what, what message are we really announcing to our generation? Is it our message or is it Jesus' message? So there are some things to think about. I um, would love any, any conversation you would like to have with me out of this. I mean, I, it's kind of unfair. I've spent time reading and thinking and you don't get to do that. I'll be glad to give you my books and you can join me. <laughs> uh, but truthfully, if, I mean, there, there, there's a couple of things here that you might want to talk about. And I'm sure I'm glad to have coffee, have conversation, some clarity. My desire is that we represent Jesus well and that we proclaim his message to our generation. So would you like to stand with me? Let's just pray to that end. Jesus, I do want to thank you that you are revealing truth to us. And I also want to thank you that you do have a message for us to deliver, to announce to our generation. And Jesus, as I have spent time with you in this passage, with these words, it seems to me that we're just not on the same page as you at times. And that there are games that we play that you no longer play. And somehow, oh Lord, we, we need help. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. And so I just want to invite you to lead us as a community of ordinary people following Jesus. Lead us to the place of truth. Lead us to the place where we no longer play the favorites game. And lead us to the place that we truly have a message that is from you. That it's your message and that you're announcing your message through us. And so I invite you. I mean, you helped Peter. You gave, you gave a vision to Peter and you helped him. You sent an angel to Cornelius to help him. Help us. Help us to know with certainty this is your message through us to this generation. So Holy Spirit, do that kind of work in us and help us to be a people that are willing to go anywhere without question asked and to be a people so ready to listen to what you want to teach us and then what we, we are to say for you to our generation. We bless you. We thank you. 
and ask for your help in your name. Amen. So if you want to talk any, I'm going to stand over here and we can visit or we can pray some. So thank you for our time together.